Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You're listening to the California Report magazine. I'm Sasha Koka. Today on our show, we're revisiting one of our favorite stories from 2023. It's from our series, Mixed, Stories of Mixed Race Californians. The most common question that I got growing up was, what are you? I just never understood why why can't you include all of me? You know, where do I fit in? Who do I identify with? I need all my mixed people to talk about it, express yourself, your perspective. I'm mixed and I'm proud of it. Being myself and having an awesome family. I have always been a mixed person. I wouldn't know how to think of myself otherwise and I'm not planning on changing. People who are mixed race are a growing demographic here in California. There are just so many more of us now. KQED's Marisa Lagos and I talked to many people who are mixed race from across the state for our series about the challenges and joys of having a mixed race background, including Olympic figure skater and my childhood idol, Ty Babylonia, author Sherry Moraga, parents of mixed race kids, W. Kamau Bell and Melissa Bell, and our guest today. Trying to make a way like a speedboat We sliding like ski slows For the love of the scenos Only love my people Black and Filipino Not to the police though To them I'm a target Stealing from Target It be a whole city that I hate Or you'll come up first that is the song Tenfinity from the rapper Guap. That's off his latest album, 1176. The album's named for the address of his family home in West Oakland, and the song talks about his Filipino and Black roots. Guap took kind of an unusual path to becoming a music star. His debut mixtape, Scamboy Color, from 2017, talks about the earlier time in his life when he was running credit card scams. I'm a young scammer, 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 scammer. But after he lost money in those risky scams and saw his friends go to jail, Guap decided to devote his life to making music instead. And he got his big break with three tracks on Dreamville's chart-topping compilation album, Revenge of the Dreamers 3. That was back in 2019. And now he's based in L.A., where his career is really taking off. He's recorded with some of hip-hop's biggest stars. That's right, including Oakland legend Too Short and Chance the Rapper. He's also recorded songs for a couple of movie soundtracks, the 2020 film adaptation of Sonic the Hedgehog, and Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Here's our conversation with Guap. Hey there, Marisa. Hey there, Guap. Hey. Yo. So, Guap. It's so great to have you on the show. 
Uh, I want to start with a question that we're asking everybody we're talking to for this mixed series. What are the words that you use to identify yourself and your background? Um, I like to say that I am black and Filipino. And how do you feel about mixed? Do you use mixed or do you use biracial? I I like to keep it as mixed. I feel like that's the more comfortable title for me. And uh, a lot of people like to go too much into biracial. I feel like it's... uh, it's just a little bit more stern. Yeah, it feels very academic, totally. Yeah. So, Guap, you have a song about how your black and Filipino grandparents met called Stoop Kid. Akeem Ali, Douglas Hayes. Shout out to Douglas for meeting my fine-ass grandma in the Philippines in the middle of Subic Bay because he was in the Marines. And uh, he seen her and said, hey, baby, I need, I need some song in my pocket. Can you do that for me? You know what she said? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Hello, Filipino, no English. Do you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about that story? I think it starts with a ripped pocket. Yeah, my grandfather had a rip in his pocket, and he's a merchant marine. You know, most military organizations are big on that uniform. So I guess he was just looking for a place to get it fixed without having to go through the proper emotions of telling somebody that he, he messed his up. <laughs> and uh, he found a sweatshop, actually, that my grandma was working in. And uh, that's how they met. And he fell in love with her and went back to that shop and uh, courted her and really was trying to get her to come back to America to him. And once she agreed... He heard about this great place called Oakland, California, and they moved there. And where was he from originally? He was from the South, got roots in Louisiana and Georgia. That's not unusual. Got a lot of folks in the Bay Area like that. Um, so 1176, this album is the street address of your family home in West Oakland. 1176 is the address of the house I grew up in, in West Oakland. So shout out to West Oakland, shout out to my grandpa, Douglas. Yeah, it was a one story and my grandfather who was super handy in carpentry and plastering and things of that nature, like all construction and home improvement. He actually raised up our house one level illegally to make it a two story. That, That was like his project. I see my first love on this porch. I seen a weapon drop blood from this porch. We had a lot of fruit trees, a calamansi tree, which is a Filipino citrus fruit, lemon, lime kind of thing. A cherry tree, an apple tree got hit by lightning, which was super cool, I thought. <laughs> It was really like a cultural hub for the neighborhood because my grandma would cook so much Filipino food and we had an open door policy. All the kids in the neighborhood who had less, not that we had the most, but you know, my mom was hustling and and providing and my grandma was working hard as well. So we we had a lot of food for the most part and uh, we shared it a lot. So that house was a home not only to me growing up in it and not ever having an, another one, 
but um, to a lot of my friends, family, and people around us. My grandma had refinanced in times of desperation at one point, a lot of years ago. And when she did that, she ended, she landed on an adjustable mortgage rate. Mm. And that got really uncontrollable yeah. as people started moving in the neighborhood and gentrification started increasing. Like redlining was clear and I, I could see it unfolding and I was really trying to hold on as much as possible, but my career just wasn't progressing fast enough for me to generate the income to pay for my career in L.A. and the house in Oakland and everybody in it. And, you know, I gave the help that I could, and my grandma was holding it down, and she just decided that she was over it. I think emotionally everybody could feel the decline of it, and I wasn't there to be like the golden child anchor for people to like cling on to that glimmer of hope that I really represent for my family in times of desperation, you know? So without me there, I feel like things started declining emotionally for people, which reflected on the house and maintenance. And it only made it worse. When we finally let it go, we threw one last house party because that's what we did. It was it was a crazy turnout. I cried the whole time, maybe like thirteen hours straight. Oh my god! I'm not. I can't even. Like mm. I was so devoid of tears. <laughs> the next day, it was crazy. I was actually dehydrated. Even though I was living in L.A., I never moved. So when I lost that, I really felt homeless. The house was the house. That stoop was my stoop and my vantage point. To all of the West, if you ask me, I could see the whole bay from my stoop. So you grew up with your grandparents, yeah? Mm-hmm. And tell us about the role that they played in your life. My grandpa, a lot of my creativity and um, explorative intent just came from his presence, even though he left me a bit early. And I could probably get everything else in my life from my grandma. Like, she is the most hardworking, sacrificial person ever. She doesn't have a selfish bone in her body. I actually want her to be more selfish. But, man, she's so great. I could talk about her forever and the things that I I learned from her. I watched her work so many under-the-table jobs. It's just so much. The fight to to get legalized and when she finally got her green card and all of these things was just a a testament to her. Even dealing with cancer, breast cancer, still here. I mean, it sounds like in a way your grandma was kind of like a second mom to you because your mom had you quite young, right? Like at 13. And so it sounds like your grandma really left a big imprint on you. And was that also a cultural imprint? Do you feel like she really helped instill Filipino culture in you? As a kid growing up with my grandma, I'm Filipino. You know, it was like, that's just what me and my grandma eat. And I know it's kind of different, but like my circle got so used to eating, they kind of expected and looked forward to certain dishes, pancit, adobo, things like that, lumpia especially. It's so embedded in me that it's just kind of 
that is from the closeness of the nature of my relationship with my grandma. Hmm. Well, I know you've talked about um, growing up going to church with your Lola, with your grandma, and, uh, and you know, being a part of a Filipino church. Um, how do you feel like you were treated uh, in the Filipino community as a person who also had Black heritage? You know, there was a lot of love inherently and a lot of acceptance, but there was also a lot of subtle racism that I feel like even the the Filipino elders who I was receiving that from um, didn't really understand that it was racist. Like, I never played sports, but I got compared to almost every athlete, mostly basketball players. And I, I used to be so irritated by that because I don't know who these people are. I don't want to be compared to them or... Even there was even like light pressure to get me to try to play basketball. I remember one time at a picnic, and I and it got weird. So it it was little things like that that kind of built up over time. Comments and uh, assumptions. Now I know that a, a lot of my mischievousness as a child was because of ADHD and my inability to control it because of lack of knowledge of it. I'd fiddle around with something and get in trouble, and that was because I was the black kid, not because something else was troubling me. So it's it's things like that that I had to deal with, too. Like, normal mental health issues get waved off as black problems. Yeah. Does your grandma ever talk to you about that stuff, or did you talk to her about it? No. She did her best to defend me and stand up for me, and it was never, even if she— she wasn't really aware of what was going on with me mentally. She was holding me down. So, Guapino, you're the son of a biracial mother, and we checked out a TV show you and your mom did on Fuse TV. It's called Made from Scratch. The two of you are cooking the seafood feast, and you end up having a real heart-to-heart about what it was like growing up mixed race in West Oakland. Just being from West Oakland and being um, Filipino and Black and being biracial and, like, struggling with my own identity issues, I feel like you had to have even worse of a of a conflict. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, none of my friends was mixed, and it's just was me and my sisters. And um, I got picked on a lot because I had long hair and I was light skinned. Being different <laughs> could be a good thing if you embrace it, but when you just have no understanding of it, period. You know what I'm saying? It's not. And I didn't understand it. Yeah. So it was really hard. And for a while, I didn't. I didn't even like to tell people I was mixed you know what were the conversations like with your mom when you were little it was a lot more raw because my mom was younger and a lot more feistier my mom was crazy (laughs) so uh you know it was a lot more raw but it, it was really the same sentiment she was just telling me about all the fights she used to have it's always crazy to try to talk about it because in the black community it goes for real usually the other way 
the darker skinned ones of us are bullied by each other, and they usually don't like to entertain when it when it goes the other way because the darker skinned side has suffered so much. But I I love that she shared that. Yeah. So it's it's been weird coming out and trying to advocate for Asian Americans and Filipinos, Pacific Islanders, and when I see people outside of even other Asian races that aren't Filipino interact with it, it's still so black and white. But that that we live in the gray area. We are the gray area, so it is no black and white. Anybody mixed, I'm sure they understand what I mean by that gray. It's like um my my existence is so untangible in this in, in a way that you can format it because I am personally a unique fusion of two cultures. Every individual is so different and everybody picks up, learns and p- takes their favorite from things. No basketball player plays the same way. You know, so everybody mixes, nobody's mixed the same way regardless of percentage because culture doesn't have a percent. Your mom mentioned like getting in fights and stuff. Like when you were growing up, did you, how do you feel like you were sort of read in Oakland? Did people know you were mixed outside of your circle? Other Blazing kids always knew, like we just know. So if they weren't like inherently Blazing or Filipino, because Filipinos also just kind of guessed it too. People mostly treated me like I was black unless my I grew out my hair and rocked it curly and then it, it was like, okay, what's going on with that? But the texture of my hair didn't even change till I got older. Before, it was just normal 4C. I had a fro, you know, rocking it like that, cornrows, waves. Then the texture started changing as my puberty started hitting and uh, it got a little bit more curly, so people would know more from that. But um, outside of that, I was black. The police, that's how the police treated me. It was that. Direct your attention right here to the court. Of course, the celebration of Filipino Heritage Night. You guys make some noise right now. Representing, he is black and Filipino American. Give it up for the one and only Guap Dad 4000. So Guap, it seems like Filipino audiences do claim you as theirs, even if you're not always recognized for your Filipino heritage everywhere you go. You recently performed at an L.A. Clippers game for Filipino Heritage Night. Check. What are we doing? <laughs> so, Guap, I mean, what was that like? Was that cool to be celebrated on Filipino Heritage Night? Like, what, what did you feel from the crowd? I couldn't believe it. I was looking up 15,000 people or something like that. It was a great vibe. And, um... I, I, I was just super humbled by it, mostly, to be honest. I, when things like that happen, it doesn't even hit me till I get home. Then I just smile about it. So that audience clearly loved you, but what does your Lola think of your music? She didn't really want me to be a rapper, but once I started, she just supported instantly. <laughs> and she don't like too too much profanity. So she it's not like she's playing a whole bunch of songs, but she definitely likes chicken adobo. <laughs> Ooh. 
about that song chicken adobo and yeah how, how did it come about i was making this album with ill mind who's filipino as well very well accoladed talented producer creative um and we were just kind of going over like filipino goals what do i want out of this project that we trying to develop and i was like you know i, I always wanted a song that um, the Filipino kids or the Pacific Islander kids or the Islander kids with the ukulele can sing at the talent show because we all know they're going to do it. So I was like, I, I want to make one of those songs. He was going through some beats and he was like, you know, I have the perfect one. And I was like, man, this song makes me feel so warm. I want to make a love song, but if it's for Filipino kids, I, like, damn. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll talk about chicken and dough. <laughs> That's my favorite food. Eating food reminds me of love, like that. the type of nostalgia I think about love for family. It's always food when I think about the old house, you know? So I, I was trying to channel that energy into the song, which is why I'm comparing the love of food to my love for this this girl that's you performing chicken adobo in manila what's it been like for you to visit the philippines it was weird to see people almost as dark as me and they still be kind of confused. <laughs> like, it was so weird, because I'm like, bro, you dark as me. It's no way you need to be looking at me weird. <laughs> you are dark as me. The wildest thing is people coming up to me and touching my hair. My grandma warned me about it before we got there. Like, people are might try to do that. And I embraced it. I don't care. I was a cool kid. I wasn't, like, abrasive like that. It was always cool when people just walked up speaking Tagalog in a way, assuming that I completely understood it, because, you know, they'll try to talk slower if they feel like you're foreign or something like that. So I, I thought that was cool. But you can understand if they're talking about you. Mm-hmm. Completely. <laughs> Which people might not realize. Exactly. I know every one of them words. <laughs> <laughs> Love y'all, y'all. Have a great day. So you're performing all over the world. Your music has become popular in a lot of different places, but you've also had a couple songs on the soundtracks of movies recently. I wrote the title song for the first Sonic movie on that soundtrack. I also got one on um, Marvel's Shang-Chi. I'm on that soundtrack and it's in the movie. So I'm canon as an artist in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. I'm in the MCU, y'all. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
It's one of my nerd, my comic book flexes right there. Yeah, what it's like. House squad in the car, finna hop in, we mobbing. Leaving the side show to drop top spot. This baby is a check in the flex, not modest. Go through my phone, I got a pretty girl problem. I don't think that you could save me, the bay erase me. She wanna come and party with a groovy Asian. Who could blame you? Frisco, Richmond, Oakland, baby. I think I read somewhere um, that you were talking about, uh, speaking of examples of, of like mixed people or mixed characters, you were talking about Miles Morales yeah. and Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, right? Because he's supposed to be, that character's supposed to be mixed. Uh, yeah. Black and Puerto Rican, yeah. maybe? And I yeah. love it. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. Love so, it. I mean, yeah. Like, what? just tell us a little bit about your connection to, to that character. Man, um... It's Spider-Man. He bigger. He almost bigger than Superman. It's, it's Spider-Man, y'all. Like, he is Spider-Man. And then we got an actual cool version in a great kind of main universe. How am I supposed to save the whole world? You can't think about saving the world. You have to think about saving one person. With an actual great story, good art, and you got Jordan's on? What? <laughs> What? Curly hair, mixed problems, multiple languages spoken in the household. It's just so familiar, even though it's not my culture specifically. It just feels so familiar and so realistic that I I, I love it. And I think that's why people love it. And he also got a little bit better Spider-Man powers than Peter Parker to me. <laughs> a little less pasty and less boring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guap, you know, you have a lot of fans from all different walks of life, but I wonder, um, when you think about those little mixed kids out there, whatever their mix may be, do you have a message for them? Yeah, man. Talk about it. I need all my mixed people to talk about it. Express yourself. Express your vantage point, your perspective. Listen to other people. Encourage them to do so. And put that in your art. Especially to the artists, put it in the art and let it become a part of your identity. I promise the more you are self-aware, the less writer's block you have. You don't have to make anything up or fabricate anything when you can fully tap in with yourself. So don't deny your art that. Mm, That just gave me chills. (laughs) We're over here crying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing of yourself and, you know, just being so honest and... And raw, and I, you know, I feel like that's what we're trying to do with this series is just have these con- conversations that are real because it's hard and it's complicated. And yeah, we're moving to a world where there are more and more of us and more kids who are coming up mixed. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot. Like, be not, you know, you there's a sense of never being enough for certain cultures. But what are you supposed to do? Not claim part of yourself? Yeah. Right. And your whole. Make sense. I mean, you know, I have kids, and the other day I was telling Marisa, my kids are like. Oh, mom, maybe my nose is my Japanese part. My hands are my Mexican part. My vi- I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You know, you're all you're all one. You're not you're not like a puzzle where yeah. the pieces are apart. You know, exactly. You're one thing. I it's like all. That. It's whole. I'm not a puzzle. I'm a picture. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's a bar. Right. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for sitting down today. This has really been 
an amazing conversation. Man, thank y'all for having me. It's KQED. What? (laughs) (laughs) That was dope. That was musician and artist Guap, who grew up in West Oakland and now lives in Los Angeles. If you want to catch more stories from our Mixed series, you can head on over to kqed.org slash mixed race. That's kqed.org slash mixed race. We are a production of KQED in San Francisco. Our interim senior editor is Katrina Schwartz. Our producer director is Susie Racho. This episode was produced by Jessica Carissa, and our sound engineer was Brendan Willard. I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Sasha Coca. Here's wishing you a healthy and happy 2024. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.